Broadcasting from everywhere and nowhere, the Misfit Crew at Southfleet HQ is proud to bring you the Dive Living Podcast. Welcome to the Hybrid Training Talk powered by Softleet and the Lionheart Radio. Um, super blessed to be able to put the Hybrid Training Talk onto the Die Living Podcast because of the fact that what me and Rick are going to be doing, and no one doesn't know who Rick Alexander is, I've done a podcast with him just recently on the Die, Heart, uh, on the Die Living Podcast, and we talked a lot about his book, uh, Burn Your Couch, talked about his his life in the ultra marathon world along with strength training. Um, and I couldn't have asked for a better co-host for the hybrid training talk and a great friend of mine and we're becoming very close. We got a lot of great things coming up this year. Um, and the, the hybrid training talk is to go ahead and follow what me and him are doing this year with our training, our principles and our methods and the disciplines that we kind of stick by to get ourselves ready for um, the races that are coming up. So, you know, first off, thanks Rick for being a co-host with me on this dude. You know, when we first started talking about it, you know, it was kind of one of those things like, you know, how are we going to make this run? We want to make this not such a stressful thing because we don't want to make it like a job for us. We want to make this enjoyable for us to kind of share our, share our ideas and what we're doing for training for people to hear. Um, you know, we were going to go ahead and do our own podcast, but we got blessed to be able to come on the die living podcast and they're letting us use this as our platform. Um, which I think is an amazing thing along with Lionheart radio, man. So again, thanks dude for being, being that co-host for sure. Yeah. It's funny that you bring up, uh, talking about when I came on your show, because at that exact same time, we had you on my show because you had just finished your first uh, 50 miler and some of your training methods were a little bit different and you maintained a bunch of your strength going through that training cycle. And so I put it out to my audience like, hey, I'm going to interview this guy that uh, and actually because you had a show earlier on my show that was one of our top ranking listens. And so when I put it out to my audience that like, hey, this guy, not only did he maintain his strength, but he ran a 50 miler. What questions do you have? We got tons of questions. So I got a bunch that oh, day. Wow. We've been getting them for like weeks. So people are always like, you know, they just have so many training questions about how you can kind of train these two concurrent disciplines. Um, and so it's cool that we have an opportunity now to like really just dive into that because you don't think of everything on the spot, you know. But when we start yeah. recapping all of our training throughout the weeks, we're going to realize like, oh, you know what? That is something that I'm doing. And I think there's a lot that people are going to be able to get from that so that they can like model their own programming off of it. Yeah, definitely, dude. And I think we did a lot of those. We answered a lot of those questions in our very first intro show that we did. And obviously, this is our new show that we're doing, which will be the hybrid training talk number one. Um, but dude, honestly, man, like it, you know, when I got on your got onto your show, and we talked a lot about that, you know, I'm not gonna lie to you, dude, I'm new to the ultra endurance world. I am. I'm, I'm new to it. Right. And for me to come in and be able to give the advice that I give now, it's kind of one of those things where I've sat back and it's like, you know, I got to continue living this lifestyle. And it's not just because it's it's what I need to do. It's because I actually enjoy it, mm -hmm. right? You know, we were talking about that on, our, on the first intro show that you know was how you know we're not really injured. We're pain free. Um, there's some aches and pains randomly, but it really is just more muscular than it is actually more in, like further down internal to joint to something you think about um, with a lot of athletes who are just doing just one training modality, say powerlifting, weightlifting, CrossFit, or just their endurance room. There's guys always injured. And, you know, I was having a conversation with my buddy, Evan, who is one of the coaches at training think tank. And we were talking about this and we were trying to, I was telling him, I was like, you know, I'm not really beat up from this training. He's like, why do you think that is? I was like, dude, you know, 
I think it has to do a lot with the aerobic work that we're that we're utilizing. I mean, a lot of the times our intensity training sessions, I'm not over 80%. Every a lot of my training sessions, dude, are below 75% efforts, which is huge. Um, you know, we'll use example like my training session last uh, yesterday. I did. I got 20 miles in in two and a half hours on the trails, which is the longest I've gone since November, which uh, Thanksgiving week. Um, but all my training sessions from that have been at low intensities, you know, and, and it's something I really believe why I'm able to recover along with the strength work and be able to stay healthy again, knock on wood, right? Like that's the goal to continue doing it. Um, but dude, that's, that's something I'm super excited about with pushing to everyone, you know, living this lifestyle of staying healthy because we do see a lot of people who are always beat up and injured. Um, and you know, I have someone who hit me up. He just says, oh, I have a herniated disc. Um, you know, have a couple herniated discs. I'm going to stop doing strength training and get back in endurance realm. And I'm like, dude, you could do both still, mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know? And you should. So, and you should. Yeah. Right. Uh, so. so there's a lot to unpack there. So I want to go through some of it. So you mentioned injuries a little bit. Honestly, dude, all the injuries I have are left over from when I was doing nothing but strength training. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's, that is what it is. I mean, a lot of that is probably because I didn't know uh, what the hell I was doing back then. And now I have a better idea of how to kind of train different systems. But yeah, a lot of my injuries, they're just left over. Like as far as like the last year, you know, we mentioned on your show, I went through like 10 ultras last year alone, plus two marathons and the injuries from that non-existent, no new injuries at all. Yeah. Um, You know, what's crazy, man, is from our, from that show that we did together, the feedback that I got from it was the book that you put out, bro. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you like, obviously people were talking about the strength the strength training and the endurance training. Mm-hmm. But dude, your book has just been a massive impact for a lot of people. Um, you know, awesome. it, it, no, it's, it's, it's super cool to have, to see people get into your mindset and understand like where you're going with that, you know? So it's, 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 it's one of those things where it's kind of became a staple for me with my mindset. I've had a pretty strong mindset, but that just kind of hammered it in even more. If yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, well, in the book, too, we, we talk a lot about ultras and stuff like that. But I, I definitely, you know, I want to get into, as we talk about the actual physiological training we're doing, you know, in my opinion, the mental piece is just as important, you know, if not more on, on a lot of times. But something you mentioned, too, is like you're like, oh, yeah, I've, I've just started doing this for the last year. One thing that people definitely need to remember is like when you're training strength or training endurance, these things are your body's, your, your body's not changing, right? The actual like underlying systems, the, the fact that you need a linear progression, doesn't matter if you're training an ultra marathoner or you're training a strength athlete. Once you know how to adapt somebody to a certain stress, well then you're just, you're manipulating the stress, right? And you're playing with the yep. dosage and, and you're kind of experimenting with different things. But I think that's something that people definitely need to remember is like the underlying principles, those aren't gonna change. Yeah, right, we look at the said principle, right? You know. And when we use a said principle, that goes across for everything. And I think a lot of endurance coaches actually miss that mm. because of the fact that, you know, you know, they don't keep it simple and they sometimes don't progress from a low skill to a high skill, you know. And I, I think that's probably one of the biggest, biggest things that we're missing in the endurance realm. We get a lot of new athletes who come into it and we look at, you know, I use for we use a triathlon, for instance. You look at a lot of people who do their very first triathlon and they're like, oh, yeah, I did a 12 week cycle for it. And we're like, all right, cool. If you ask them what they did in that 12-week cycle, they're like, oh, I went straight into a, a base block of just building my aerobic capacity. 
right? It's like, okay, did you have any swimming background, running background, even a biking background? And I get the bike is probably one of the lower skill ends of it all, but it does take some time to understand your body and how to change gears to know where you're going to put out the best power output. Yeah. And a lot of these, a lot of these people are like, oh, I just did this, went into like, you know, my second block was a speed block, whatever else, you know, power block. And then my last block was more of a base tapering block, whatever else. And I'm like, so he didn't know skill development at all within that 12 week cycle, you know, and I really look at it's like, depending, look if you did a 16 week training block, first four weeks is an accumulation phase of just skill building. That's it. Mm, yeah. Right. And if we were to focus on that, think about how they can actually handle all of that going into going into that now 12 week training block to get ready for the first try. And it even goes the same way for strength training. We talk about that. You know, we get endurance athletes who want to go and do a powerlifting meet or want to go do a strong strongman meet or they want to go weightlift or they just want to go do bodybuilding um, or anything like that. And a lot of it comes down to, again, skill development. You need to practice the skills so that you actually develop, you know, the right skill sets. So when the weight does get heavier and you put your body at a higher stress load, you're able to handle the work volume and the intensity so you can recover the right way. Right. Right. Yeah, there's uh there's a huge gap that exists I think that people just by working on skill and you know where you see this the most is obviously with like your world Olympic weightlifting. So when you start out with a snatch, you know, 95 135 pounds up to like maybe 155 feels really heavy even if you're a strong guy cuz you have no idea what the hell you're doing. But as soon as you learn how to like really work that bar path in your second and third pulls, everything becomes weightless. You didn't get stronger, you just got better. And I think you can apply that to the bike, to the run, to anything really, if it if it requires movement. One hundred percent, dude. And I think that's where me and you both come on the same page of understanding that skill development is key for an athlete, no matter what side of the spectrum they're on. And if we need to bring both of them into that middle spectrum, we have to develop both sides at the same time. Because you know, like you said, for instance, you know, when we look at we look at me and you, for instance, we both came from a strength world. We mm -hmm. both were crossfitters. We weightlifted. We powerlifted. We did all those great things. Um, but we had an endurance background from before because of the military, like just like you're still in. Right. Um, and then, you know, I had an endurance background and then I kind of stopped for a little bit and then got back into it. And I still put myself through a skill development phase at that time period to be able to really handle where I'm at today. You know, I uh, one cool thing on the on on our team room stuff, and I'll actually add you to it, brother, so you can see it. I we every Friday, we, one of the admins, we always or someone posts, what do you got going on this week weekend? Like fun. You know, I put a photo of me running and one of the guys, uh, some of the guys were, oh, I'm getting ready to go out for a trail run or whatever else, blah, blah, blah. And we just dropped that new Apex program, which is a 24-week program for everyone to follow who's getting ready for a try. But they can actually utilize it to get ready for ultras or whatever else. You just got to adjust to Saturday sports-specific day. Yeah, and that. yeah, one of the guys was like, uh, one of the guys, man, I can't wait to get that kind of volume intensity. And I was like, you'd be surprised. My yeah. volume intensity is nowhere near what people think. You know, and that's the same thing with you, dude. Like, you know, uh, that's one thing I learned from you is like I saw what, you know, we talked a lot about that before and hearing you talk about on other podcasts. Um, I forgot what podcast it was. You started talking a little bit about your, your about your training, about how your volume. And I, f I forgot which podcast it was, dude. But you were talking a lot about, you know, how your training is and how you don't always go out there and just kill yourself. And then listening to a lot of other podcasts from endurance athletes or ultra ultra marathon runners mm -hmm. you hear the same story too you know you talk about the guys who've been doing this for five to eight years 
you know, they talk a lot about being present in the moment of being out there. And like, that's one thing I told him, I was like, dude, you'd be surprised that my training, my volume is actually a lot lower than you think. My volume and intensity is a lot lower. I was like, I actually run only twice to one time a week. Mm-hmm. Everything else is swimming or biking. Yeah. I was like, for instance, I was like, for my, this, this week going into that big session that I had yesterday, my Monday was a hike day. My Wednesday was a mountain bike day for 60 minutes on an easy trail. Tuesday was a swim day, and then Wednesday and then Thursday was a strength day, and it was some light squats, whatever else, and then a slow spin on the bike, and we got after it on Friday, and then today is a swim swim day today, right? Like, it, it's it's like you don't need to get out there and kill yourself, especially at the end of the t- day when we look at this as a sp- sport and a lifestyle. We don't need to. I, I look at it like this, Rick. It's one of those things, man. It's like you don't need to get out there and just hammer miles on your joints, dude. If you want to keep doing this for the rest of your life right 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 exactly and, and the other thing you're hinting at there is like the transferability of of movement right like if i if i squat in place with a barbell on my back there's a certain transferability that's going to happen to when i run and that's how you get away with only running like once or twice a week i think especially in the ultra endurance community people get in these mindsets where it's like i need to be pounding the pavement for like 10 15 if you talk to a lot of people that are training for a triathlon, even a low level, they're like, yeah, I'm training 10 hours a week. I'm like, for a, for a sprint triathlon and that's it? You know, like, if you, that's fucking crazy. Like, you are pounding your joints for 10 hours a week? Like, you're being nuts right now. Especially if you don't have the underlying structure, right? Like, the yeah. soft tissue strength and the joint strength. And so, you need to, like, when you look at your whole training cycle, I think what you're doing really well is you're looking at, like, what transfers to what. You know every time you do your one run, it's not the only run technically that you're doing that week because you're on the bike, you're swimming. Like there are certain transferabilities and there are certain like algorithms or equations you can look at to know like how much is going to transfer. And that's going to be dependent on each person. But the important thing is you look for those efficiencies in your training and that's how you get out of pounding the pavement for 10, 15, 20 hours a week. And and that's something that leads me to this, bro. Can you, can you explain transferability for these, for, for the, for the listeners? Because I know what you're talking about, and you know the way I use that is your your PDF you put out about ultra running and your first time doing it, which was huge, super huge. You talked about it on your show, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people went to the to the link to get it. But you used the transferability of the bike to the run, three miles to one mile, and that was probably the biggest thing that I took and use now for that day that I learned from you was using the bike as days to still get your legs ready for running. Yeah. So could you kind of talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think uh, the way that I do basically all the clients that I train is I give them a template. And on that template, it tells you, and this is all just kind of round numbers. You can kind of figure it out for yourself, but three miles of bike will equal one mile of run. Um, let's say 1.5 miles of row would be one mile of run. I don't actually know if that's the one. Um, but, but you have those transferability. And what I tell them is a certain percentage of your miles can come from all-purpose miles that week. Right. And then that allows you. So you still have to get out there and run. Like if you especially if you're going to be a runner, right? Like we have, to, yeah. we have skill development. We have we do have joints that need to be kind of inoculated to that stress. Um, but I use that transferability, especially for someone like myself and someone like you. You know, we're a lot bigger than the average runner. <laughs> I mean, when I'm at the start line of a run, I'm looking around like I could put any of these guys in a locker. I could stuff anybody here in a locker yeah. right now. You know yeah. what I mean? Because it's like just a completely different build. And so, uh, 
you know, if you're going to try to succeed at a sport that you're not inherently built for, you got to start figuring out where the hell you can, you know, make up for that difference, right? Because you're not, a, you're, you don't have those bird bones. You're not, you're, when you run on pavement, that shit hurts, right? So yeah, no kidding. It, it's yeah. super important to find that, like, what can I do that will influence that outcome the most, right? And for me, Definitely biking, I do think, is probably one of the biggest transfers to running. Uh, the only other thing you can do is hiking, which people don't really think about a lot. But that's yeah. a great way to get um, miles. Typically, I do consider those all-purpose miles, but it just depends on the cycle we're in. You know, if we're doing tempo runs at that time, then I'm not going to allow, like, hiking to be your tempo run. Uh, but I will allow it to be, you know, a lot of your, like, base building and aerobic building mileage. Um, but, yeah, so you just got you to figure out what's going to transfer the most. Yeah, dude, that's something huge. You know, it's funny we're talking about transferability. You know, I was, uh, I was, I've started playing around with weightlifting and then going into the ultra, you know, into the ultra world and triathlon world. And I'm actually, well, we've, I've been doing this now for about seven weeks now, eight weeks of just weightlifting again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm actually going to stop snatching. Really? I'm not going to lie to you. Is that because juice isn't worth the squeeze as far as benefit? Juice is not worth the squeeze because of the benefit. Um, And the reason why I say that is because of the fact that, I'm already putting myself into internal and external rotation with the shoulders from all the swimming. Um, and with a snatch, you know, I don't want to go ahead and I, I want to look at, like you said, the benefit, right? Like me snatching a heavy number is great. But at the same time, when we talk about longevity, I want to go ahead and look at longevity as the winner here. And I'm going to pull that back. I'm not saying I'm not going to go overhead, but I will press jerk and all that stuff. But as for the snatch, I've, I've kind of came to the conclusion that there's no need to do it. Yeah. Well, a good way to think about that, because on the bike, right, you're going to be rotated forward and your joint and you're not moving too, which is even worse. Yeah. So your shoulders are just kind of sitting in that joint. A uh, good way for people to think about what that would be like is if you were to go uh, hit a five rep max bench press and then go right into a one rep max snatch. Like how, how are your joints going to feel? You're so loaded yeah. with your interior force. And then all of a sudden you're going to try to open up and stack that joint. Uh, you're going to have a difficult time opening it up. Yeah. Um, so I completely agree with you. And that's something we've talked about before, you know, for the tactical populations. It's like, does something like a snatch make sense? Not unless you want to be better at something that includes a snatch, like CrossFit. Um, but yeah. if you're if you're getting better at, I would say the snatch, there are certain aspects of it, like maybe the snatch pull, but there's not. Yeah. There's there's a ton of ways that you can tra- you can train that same adaptation without the risk of the snatch of that and and i'm not saying that i wasn't doing mobility and making sure my shoulders were good and everything else like that you know i was i was doing all that stuff but at the same time it's gotten to the point where like me personally i've achieved certain goals in the weightlifting realm to where it's like all right cool like it's not really worth the, the push to really hit those numbers anymore you know especially with what i'm doing because i'm not gonna lie to you had this conversation yesterday about my passion is becoming more of ultra running yeah that happens with, man you got bit by that bug yeah, dude, you know, my passion is for ultra running, but I have a I have a tendency to love triathlons, you know, yeah. dude, like Xterra races. I love Xterra races. I've only done one, but like if, I just love Xterra races, bro. Who doesn't love swimming right into a mountain bike into a trail run? Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, but yeah, no, dude, that definitely is. So moving on, dude, let's go ahead, you know, talk a little bit about what the show is going to be about. You know, I know we've talked a little bit about already what the show is going to be about. We've kind of d- dove into it, but 
you know, what we're going to be doing and what we're going to be explaining to people, you know, our races that we have coming up this year and some of, you know, some of the ideas that we're going to be putting out. Obviously, we're putting them out now. Um, but, you know, our mythology and our philosophy, because we've listened to some podcasts, <laughs> you know, uh, just recently that we were like, man, what the hell was that about? <laughs> you know, um, are there some things on it that we agreed with and some things that I didn't agree with? You know, same thing, me and you here and there. And one thing that I really believe is, you know, challenge each other's mindset is what helps us grow. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's something I do a really good job with over at Softly with our coaches. You know, hey, why are you doing this? Why are we doing this? The, or it happens to me. Um, you know, so that's a lot of those things that, you know, I think we could do to each other for that. You know, like I shared my training program with you and I actually adjusted it a little bit this week. Um, you just got done with a 10 mile snow run yeah. plus some other stuff you got going on, you know, and, and like you said, you know, a lot of this comes down to having that mental capacity to handle everything because running for a long time, swimming for a long time and biking for a long time is not for the fainted, for the fainted heart of the week. I'm not going to lie to you. Right. <laughs> Um, yeah, and you know the fitness space is loud, so there's a lot of voices in the fitness space, um, and I think you know it, it's easy, especially because I've I've made this my life just like you have for so long, and so you look at some of these people and like what they're saying, and you're like, God, I just I don't agree with that. But the one thing that I think is worth mentioning is I'm down to be wrong, right? Like I yep. bet like next year I'm gonna have views that are gonna evolve, and that's the great thing about training. You you realize what works and what doesn't work. You know, when I started Lionheart Radio, the podcast, I remember it was like episode three or something. I was talking about how much I just love volume. Literally, I was just like, oh, I fucking love it. Like three workouts a day. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, dude, because I was 25 and I realized like I was just on borrowed time, right? (laughs) Because as you go, like, you know, as you like kind of progress through the thing and I was at the probably end of my intensity phase at the time. But as you progress, you change, you figure out what works, what doesn't work. And if you're the kind of person that has a methodology you know, and you just dig your heels in so that you can be right, uh, I think that's probably a little bit problematic when it comes to getting, like, real results, especially when things are changing because fitness as a whole, the underlying principles, those haven't changed. But you look at the shit that we were doing in the 90s, like, and some of the the crazy stuff that's come up, it would be crazy to continue to believe that, right? And you see that a lot with, like, gurus. They, like, dig their heels in because they need their system to be right. Whereas for me, I'm like, well, you know, if I'm wrong, I'm, I'm just going to change. That's bottom line. I want to be – I don't care about being right. I care about uh, being fitter, happier, and healthier. Yeah, and, and putting out that to people so they can actually live the life they want to live. Right, right. You know, I, I think you're correct on that. It's funny. It's like a lot of old school, old school strength coaches are stuck by their ways. And some old school strength coaches have put out principles that we follow to this day. And then you got oh, some other coaches that who haven't evolved at the time or haven't evolved to really put it in. And I think with what me and you are doing as coaches to help other athletes grow is evolve with the times yeah. and really put out a product that is going to help them look at long term. Right. When we keep going back to long term and everyone's like, why long term? You know, I tell this to a lot of my athletes, especially my individual ones, is this right here. My goal is not my, OK. My goal is to get you to your goals. But my end goal is to be able to get you to legitimately train after you're done competing. After you've reached your goals, I want you to continue enjoying fitness afterwards. Yeah, right. Continue to be capable of, of enjoying exactly. fitness, right? Hiking. Right. Hiking and doing all those things. Like what is it – How? Why, why, would, why would I want to help you knowing that I'm just going to stack volume and break you in half and then know like, oh, once we're done competing, that's it. We're done talking or we're done, I'm done coaching you because you're broken now. I can't do that. That doesn't make any sense. Right, right. 
Well, I mean, I've been there. Yeah. Right. I mean, like if I were to do what conventional wisdom said to how to train for endurance, uh, 10 years ago, I would be, I'd be running for 15 hours a week, like we said, and I'd be on a high carb, low fat diet. I'd be all fucked up. Right. I would yeah. be getting injured and I would be having bad, I'd be having piss poor results and I'd be mad about it. Um, but our, our, we've realized like metabolic flexibility is a real thing, man. You can burn fat. You can use fat as fuel. You can find efficiencies in training. You can use strength training for endurance. It's like, no, man, you got to evolve. <laughs> Things got to move No, on. definitely, dude. One thing that I've actually started doing uh, this past eight weeks after the 50-miler is actually put a lot more plyo work in. Hmm. You know? Um, like for, for core work or, or what do you mean? No, lower, lower body explosion work, buddy. Okay. So the reason why I've been doing that was, you know, obviously I'm not on program with my coach anymore who was helping me out, whatever else, um, writing my own stuff right now. It just makes me more accountable for myself. Um, and I don't be accountable to anybody else at the moment right now just because how busy I am. Right. Right. And it's one of those things like I, I understand what I'm doing. Um, I have mentors, you know, I have people overseeing, like I have you overseeing it. He oversees my programming. I have Evan who looks over it. Like I have people's hands in it like, okay, let's look at it, whatever else. But that's it, right? Like I'm still writing the programming because – I, I know my busy schedule right now. It's kind of hard to give it to someone else. Yeah. Um, but we started talking about plyo work, and plyo work has actually been a big part of training. And I'm going to tell you this. I, I think it's probably been the biggest benefit of throwing into my training mm. since my last 50-miler. So yesterday, dude, I was I was holding seven and a half to eight and a half nine-minute miles downhills yesterday. Mm. So when you talk about plyo work, you're talking about like rate of force development, something like not box jumps for like max reps for time. No, right, you're talking about. I'm talking about quality explosion work. So yeah. single low, single leg bounding jumps, lateral single leg, single leg bounding jumps, kneeling to squat to jump onto the box, depth jumps, single leg depth jumps from a box. Obviously, all this stuff is like high progressive stuff, but like I've worked my way down. When I first started, it was just basic box jump, land, box jump, land, box jump, step down. Then it was like seated box jumps. Then it was, you know, kneeling to squat jump. Kneeling to squat jump, kneeling to squat jump, then kneeling to squat broad jump, and then kneeling squat to to those things. And and on realistically, dude, you know, the rep scheme for me there, depending on where I'm at, you know, it's between three to five reps for only three sets. I'm not really killing myself too much with this explosion work at all. And I get it, like you're, I, and I, you know, if I start a week of it, and I know that, you know, when I first started everything, it was like, all right, cool, you're doing five sets of five with, you know two to three minute rest between sets. The next week I'll go ahead and all right, cool, five sets of four. And I'm just lowering the number and the volume of reps I'm doing, but I'm getting quality of work in. Mm. And that was probably one of the biggest things I saw yesterday that has been carrying over for me. Obviously not just um, not just getting used to doing it all, but that has been really a huge factor in building connective tissue and strengthening my ankles and my knees and my hips to handle climbing up hills and still be able to run downhill what do we call it? Racing downhill. <laughs> right. Right. I was still able to race downhill going into my 20th mile on the back end of my run yesterday. Yeah. Like, well, cause I think what, what you get out of that and what people forget about is like, okay, so when you do plyos, yeah, you get that acceleration, but you get that de deceleration too. Exactly. Right. And that is almost never trained. No. And that's, that's the cool thing. Right. And I, I you know, that's one thing I'm, I've been looking into is the deceleration for a tactical athlete also. Mm-hmm. Right, so sprinting forward and then stopping and then backpedaling. Yeah. Um, how many times do you guys have to have that deceleration when they're doing in a firefight or when they're doing something like that? Right, like, and it's not about just you know just jumping right away or whatever else. It's like literally sprinting left and right and then being able to stop on an automatic dime and then cut 
because I mean, there's been plenty of times where I've been in a firefight where you know we've had her go and take cover somewhere, and we had to sprint from point A to point B, mm-hmm. like that, right? right? And, and then I look, in that in that sense, you have uh, body armor on, so now you're prime external for force, ACL, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> So that's something that I really noticed yesterday. That was a really big part of of training. Mm. Um, I'm pretty sure. You, I, I don't you know. Do you use any plyo work with you, or how does that work for you? What do you do to kind of help that out with the athletes? Uh, yeah, I know. I definitely do. I like to do box jump overs, not for time, but for for quality. Um, okay. And the other thing I think that I do like about plyo work is that although you're getting that rate of force development and that explosive speed, you're you're really not taxing your CNS like you would with a loaded barbell. Um, although it, it, you know, as you're definitely using resources, I think that's one of the things when you start doing, when you're training for multiple disciplines, you have to be careful of is, you know, when you're just weightlifting every day can be max out day if you really want it to be, you know, cause you can, you have enough time to like recoup all of that, but you try to take that attitude to go like 90% every day and then go from there into your run or your swim. You realize quickly like that is a flawed plan. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's and that's something that I've really been playing around lately too with my with my training going into runs or whatever else because of that fact. I don't want to tax my CNS to where I'm not fresh going into the next day. Again, the goal is to stay healthy and continue moving on, recover from the day prior. Um and we can talk about recovery and all that good stuff. We can, you know, what we're doing now, but that was something that, you know, again, some plyo work is, like you said, is is low CNS taxing. There is some that is high CNS taxing. Um, you know, for instance, like I won't do a depth jump to a broad jump the day before a run. I'm sorry, I'm not going to do it. Right, right, exactly. But uh, I did. Well, go for it. I'm sorry. No, go for it. Um, but you know, being able to do like a seated box jump to a land or a box jump over to a land, where the landing is a conscious effort of really focusing on landing in a good position. And really activating the muscles that we want to activate, not landing in a bad position or not getting quality reps in um, is something that, you know, I've been looking at. And we talked about it lately, too, is quantity over quality, which wins. Right. You know, and I look at it 100 percent that quality wins the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. Um, You know, like it's kind of hard once you get into ultra endurance you really do have to worry there is a quantity factor that will come into place right because it's so much time on your feet Um, but like we you can get that time on your feet with hiking you can get it with other things so if you focus on quality of your workout right and then you can get you can get the quantity just by like hiking and by walking a bunch I mean I literally when I was getting ready for that 200 if I was having a super schedule like hectic week I would go out on my lunch break and I would mosh it out for two hours walking. And it was like, it just literally like, cause I knew I could do it every single day and it was like an extra two hours on my feet. And I'm like, oh, it's a good rep, you know? No, yeah, dude. But, and, but look how successful you were with that, right? Like you, 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 but that's all that matters, dude. Right, like right. Yeah, just, 200 miles, bro. Like, yeah. well, I just, I watched the Barkley marathon again yesterday for the second time. I love that fucking, that documentary, bro. Yeah, it's it's so motivating. Yeah. You know, but the thing is, though, is like these and if no one doesn't know what the Barkley Marathon is, it is a race in Tennessee that is undisclosed and it's hard to get into. Yeah. Like they only take like 20 people. I'm sorry. Yeah, they only take like 25 to 40 people to get into the race. And the race director is super old school, you know, Tennessee old school, like hillbilly kind of guy. Super great, super good dude. And he only charges whatever he wants and something very small. And he wants it that way. But the way he sets it up, the way these races are, you know, you have, it's the fun run is three loops to complete it, mm-hmm. right? But there's five fun loops. Run. Fun run. 
fun run. Yeah. Right. And that's only 78 miles. Right. And it changes every year. But one thing, you know, that he really said and I liked on that that he talked about was like it's not about really how fast you finish these races. It's about how much you gave to it. Mm. Yeah. Right. I, I like that a lot, actually. Because you have guys who went for one one loop and was like, I can't I'm done. Right. That was my max capacity. They were I mean, think about this, do 20 for about 22 to 30 miles, they're out from nine to, to 13 hours at a time for that many miles. When realistically, to get 20 miles in, it takes about five to six hours. Right. <laughs> you right. know? So a lot of these guys are like, some of these guys finished that three mile loop, uh, three loop and were like, I'm done. And that was, their, that was their goal. And no one at all said anything to them, but congratulations and good job. So this goes back to like that same idea of like, you completed the 200 mile run, you're like, I finished. I was like, no, you finished though. Like that's all that matters, right? You right. finished it. No matter how you finished it, you finished it. And you're, you know, not very many people can say that they finished 200 miles, except for however many people finished that race plus some other plus higher long races. Right. Yeah. It's definitely. Uh, I, I think it's growing, but it's definitely not a ton of people. But I think that is one of the things that you, I or at least I find so intoxicating about ultra endurance is like you know you left everything in the fucking arena, right? Like when it's over, I remember standing at the 200 line, and I'm sitting there or the finish line of the 200. And I'm sitting there, like, tired as fuck, kind of days, looking around, and everyone's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, expecting to be happy. And I just had this feeling of, like, holy fuck, that was everything I have. I used every resource, every faculty. I was fucking phoning a friend. Like, every everything I could do, dude, I was, like, just, I put it all into getting to that to that finish line. And there's something that's, like, beautiful about that. But then when it's over the next day, I'm, like, sitting there, and I'm just, that come down, you know? I'm, like, almost, like... Like after, you know, you hear about any kind of like traumatic thing or, or something where you like lead up to like training, you hear people like, oh, I trained for a marathon forever. And then when it's over, it's like, now what do I do with my life? You know, it was like that on steroids. I'm like sitting there and I'm like, damn, dude, am I capable of even giving that much? Like it just took so much emotional bandwidth, you know, that for three days after I'm still recovering. Well, that's that brings up a great question, right? I listened to a podcast yesterday from uh, with the Endurance Jockey podcast. It had John Kelly on. I don't know if you heard of who John Kelly is. Mm. He's he's a he took sixty first at uh, Ironman Kona. Six months before that, he completed the Barkley marathons. Oh, what a savage! <laughs> right, the dude's only like, not the dude's like thirty something. Like he's like around thirty, I think. Whatever else. Okay. But the thing though is like what he talked about on there. He was like, this came down to not. It wasn't about how fit I was. It was about how mentally strong I was. At the same time, he talked about like his his recovery physically was great. He recovered fast, but mentally he was done for like three months after that after that Barkley Marathon to get ready for. And he says even going into Ironman Kona, he wasn't hundred percent mentally there. So you know that kind of lets you realize like, hey, this is the reason why we train a certain way going into these races because when it gets game time for those races, if you expended all of that all of that energy during training, you're not going to have nothing for the race, right? Because now you talked about it, right? Like it's on steroids, dude. It's it's it it doesn't compare. You can't ex- you can not at all compare it to a weightlifting meet to a CrossFit competition, or, or not even to the CrossFit games. Well, I'll I- say that right. Yeah, I mean it's duration, right? You're doing it for so yeah. long, and it's you never get a break, you never get a reprieve. It's like when you're in a fight with somebody, right? Like there's nowhere to fucking hide on a field sport when you're playing. Like I remember playing lacrosse, and I'd be tired. Like you can take a rep off, you can slow down a little bit. Like there's a whole team there. When it comes to something like Tahoe or or doing an ultra race, it's like 
you don't have to keep moving forward, but you're not getting to the end if you don't. <laughs> so you just, exactly. Yeah. There's nowhere to hide. You just have to keep fucking facing that pain and facing that fear, and you just gotta keep stepping forward. Yeah, and and that's where that mental that mental recovery comes in because you're on for so long. I mean, we look at we look at Moab 240 race, right? They're going for almost four hours or four days straight of just being mentally in the zone. Right. Right. Like, <laughs> and, and and there's other things too. Like people don't think about. So okay, yeah, you're just running, but when you're running at night, the amount of mental bandwidth it takes to get the same footing. You don't realize until the next day when the sun comes up and you sit down for a minute and you just like, you just feel it. All that, like, you've just been so tight for so long because you've been looking for your footing and you've been trying to figure out how not to fucking break your ankle or fall off a cliff. And so the next day, like, man, that really wears you out. You're talking about doing that for days at a time. Now you're getting into like, yeah, you're starting to use some faculties, you know? Yeah, definitely, dude. So talk a little bit um we talked about this on the intro show about how our like how much time we've actually been training because you mentioned about it you know hey some new people are training 10 hours for a sprint triathlon and realistically you know the way we train is be is, is around what our lifestyle is mm-hmm. you know there's some weeks where you don't get 10 hours of training in you might only get six hours of training in and when you do see those 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 days or those weeks of of a little bit more time of of training how do you you know, set up your week for training for that to, you know, make sure that you're getting what you need out of it all. Yeah, right. And, and you know, as I'm kind of thinking about it, it's like 10 hours for a sprint. There might be, that might be okay. I don't know. It depends on how you work it really. But, um, but for me personally, like I just, you know, I run a few businesses. We have this podcast. I'm in the military. I, if I'm going to like be successful at this long term and, you know, not get really burnt out every other week, then for me, I just I have to figure out ways uh, to train less, but also to do stuff that I like more, right? Like I will, I pound the clock, I I, I punch the ticket to make sure that I'm doing the stuff I have to do, um, like the plyo work, some single leg bounding and stuff, and and I do a lot of core work, even though that's the least fun shit I could probably do. Um, and then when we get a snow day, for me, it's like, yeah, dude, I'm going to do nine miles in this blizzard. And that's going to be, that's like the all the recharge I need, right? It's like you would think that would take it out of you. But I finish that and I'm like, fuck, yeah, I think I'm going to go back out there and do it again. <laughs> Just get so motivated. So it's like you have to balance, you know, training efficiencies with also just doing what you're really into. Like why yeah, you started that, this in the first place. Exactly. Dude. I love the fact that you, 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 you were able to show control of cutting yourself back of not going out and doing more. Yeah, because I wanted to. Exactly, yeah, because you felt so good doing it. That, that's three how I felt. Three years ago, I'm back out the door. <laughs> yeah, no, dude, same, same thing with me. If, if I was to get into this three or four years, even longer than that, I probably would have been like, like for instance, yesterday, like, you know, you did your nine-mile run in the snow, right? That doesn't, I, I ran 14 miles on the fucking hills yesterday. That compares nothing to what you did in the snow. Like, mm. <laughs> it's nah, still pretty good. doing some climbing, yeah. I was doing some climbing, but the thing is, though, is like, They're I different hit sucks, though. Yeah, the difference does suck in the mentality aspect. But the same, the same thing though, brother. It was like, at like when I was coming back in after that fourteen miles, I was like, man, I should just recharge real fast because I was using my truck as my checkpoints. I was like, man, I should just go for another five miles and just call it good for the day. And I was like, no, yeah. save it, go get some food, recover a little bit, go back out for your second session on a hike instead of like and like do a little bit of running, but most of it's power hiking. Yeah. And like I had to cut myself back. The old me would have been like, fuck it, I'm gonna go run thirty miles today. Just let's just go do it, right? And like. Yeah. <laughs> you so gotta know though, because you gotta you gotta live to fight another day. 
and that's that that's where it brings me into another thing too is like you know a lot of people you know we have programmers we're coaches we program for athletes and we we create this template and we create this you know this schedule and this and this picture for them for the week um but they're their own artist is what i like to think about it as mm. you're your own artist you can adjust that painting as needed to fit your schedule to get the training in that you need to get in yes right like i just provided a canvas for you i provided this outline right if you have to steer off that outline a little bit then go for it to get what you need to get so you continue moving forward for the next week and the next week and yep. the next week yeah and and that's like you're you're teaching them to fish right you're you're showing them the tools you're showing them the tools that matter you're showing them uh you know how to kind of like be user managed right how to take ownership of their own training um and that's important when you're programming for someone it's hard it's easy to just tell somebody and i've had coaches that are like just do this and I'm like, oh God, my shoulder hurts, and this and this. I'm like, we got to do it. If you want to get where you got to, you got to do it. And it's like, no, that's just going to break you. You could have told me a million other ways to reach that same adaptation, and I could have figured that out for myself, <laughs> or or what to leave out or what to do. Right? It's like, it it comes down to this fact that it's got to be, you got to you got to own it, especially if you're going to do something daunting like train for weightlifting and for ultra endurance at the same time. Yeah, and definitely, dude. And that's and that's something huge, man. So, going into the next thing real quick. Um, talking about one thing that you know that we talked a lot about you know when i first started getting into the runs and doing my longer runs from 12 to 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 you know training for my first 50 mile i remember i kept telling you how i was completely like hunched over because my back was just shot um something i took from you also and it was the posterior chain and core development mm. you know was a huge part you know and you know i started throwing in that into my own training now a lot of kettlebell work um, and stuff like that. So what kind of led you to understanding like, Hey, I need to strengthen my posterior chain. Cause you have a pretty strong deadlift as it is already. Right. Or you used to not have one. Now you do. Yeah. I mean, I, my deadlift's not huge. It maxed out somewhere around like 585 and right now it sits around five or a little less than five. Jesus um, Christ. But the, the, you know, that didn't really transfer though. I mean, it did, but not as much as I would have wanted it to. For me, like kettlebell work, because I think maybe it's higher reps and you got more time under tension. Um, that's when it really, I really started seeing a lot of transfer to running. Um, and I don't even like kettlebell swings, but I do them a lot because uh, for me, I kept getting like 10 hours into a race and I just realized like all of, people don't realize running uphill sucks, running downhill is way fucking worse. Yeah. And what happens is all that downhill or all that uphill kind of fries your posterior chain so then when you start going downhill you have no hamstrings and your quads and your knees and your toes are taking the brunt of all that pounding and what happens is as you develop your posterior chain the downhills become better because you're saving your posterior chain uh, on the uphills more right they're more efficient and they're stronger um, and so that, that was just something I noticed I'm like why do these downhills suck so bad and I just that was the way that I figured out how to actually start making them better yeah, no, I, I took that. I took that to heart, man. I actually started doing doing kettlebell kettlebell complexes now, um, to really help that out with is something that that I started doing thanks to you. Yeah, um, and cool. I think a lot of people can take from that. Right? Is hey, like, you want to start doing kettlebell complexes? I, I started throwing that into it. I mean, I think on Tuesday I did. Uh, I was I did. It was three. It was four sets with two minute rest. It was five double kettlebell uh, kettlebell snatches. Mm-hmm into a single arm farmer's carry into a single arm front rack carry for 50 uh 25 feet each side into a double overhead kettlebell walk oh, that's good stuff a lot yeah. of unilateral work too which is huge yeah dude you know anti-rotational and you know it was it was beautiful dude i felt great 
um, wasn't too, I didn't feel too sore, but it was one of my, one of my complexes that I enjoyed doing. Um, because again, like I said, we talk about training, right? Training doesn't need to be boring. It can be as fun as you make it. Um, and I think that was one of the biggest things that you put in, that you put into my brain and like plant that seed that kind of has grown to like enjoy, you know, training posterior and core development because we do see that right. Um, going in that the next big question that I've been getting a lot of times, dude, is why using swimming and biking for ultra running? You know, they're like I'm never going to do a triathlon. Why would I swim and bike for to get ready for it? And we talked about this before the show. Um, and we've talked about it on my show and we've talked about it on your show. Um, but again, let's go and hit on that one more time. I know we said it earlier, but you know, not just the transferability of everything else, but the idea of being able to live your life and going and do what you want to do as a whole, for instance, you know, that's something that, you know, super important. I mean, if you are, uh, if you like biking, you should bike, right? Especially if it transfers to the other things that you like so well. Yeah. So that's 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 one thing that you know, especially with the Apex program that we put out. A lot of guys have been asking, "Hey, you know, can I still go do, go do you know an ultra marathon on it?" And I'm like, "Yeah." So it's like, guys, the reason why I, I, I the reason when I developed this program, right, and whatever else was, I got into ultra running because of triathlons, mm-hmm. not just because of my buddies who were doing it, like you and my buddy Ben, and a whole bunch of other people that were inspiring to me. But you know, it was one of those things where I was like, "I'm doing triathlons, like." If I want to get used to doing Ironmans, I need to get used to being and getting after it for eight hours. It's like, what is one of those those things to do? And it was like, oh, let's just get into ultra running. Like, Right. Well, and the thing about biking and swimming, they both allow you to get away with more volume, right? Because if you – an eight-hour run and an eight-hour bike, like those are not the same thing, right? If you run for eight hours, like you can – that's a lot of pain that you're going to – you're going to – a lot of trauma because it's so much yep. pounding. Um, so much acceleration and deceleration, whereas a bike, obviously, um, you don't you don't have that, so you're able to get away with it. But the reason I started doing it in the first place was because I wanted to run an ultra. I was so big, I just I knew if I pounded the pavement that long, I was going to. I was like 230 pounds the first time I ran a 50 miler, and I'm yeah. only 5'10", so that's a that's a pretty big, uh, that's a lot of weight because I was competing in strongman at the time, and 232 is a weight class, so I would always try to come in at like 230 pounds. Um, but I, I realized, like with biking, I could get away. I wouldn't get the stress fractures because that's where I was going to go, right? I was shin splints and stress fractures, and then it's game over. Gotcha. So strongman. What's up? Oh no, no, the strongman. So we got a few athletes who are actually doing this apex program, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, that are looking to do strongman and then do a a try. So Hell yeah. with with yeah, exactly right. Like that's super cool. Like a whole bunch of stuff is coming out. And people are like talking about it, but you know. For you, if you were to do it all over again and go compete in a strongman competition, how would you train for strongman and what you're doing now? Because let's be real here, bro. Strongman training does take a toll on that CNS with how you train from event days to your normal training sessions to still be able to be – and when I say competitive, just to hold your own at a strongman comp because right. it's a whole different beast. It is because you'll get up there and you'll pull a zero. Right. I mean, that means like the weight won't fucking move and you'll get zero for that for that event. Like if your deadlift doesn't start at, you know, 420 in most cases, you know, you're you don't get a ticket to the game. You're just going to go up there. You're going to pull on it like it's that sword in the stone and you look dumb and walk away. Um, so when you go into a strongman competition, you know, you have to be conscious of that. Like you, you have to be able to pull minimums. Um, and I'll be honest with you, that's something that 
I struggle with, like trying to figure out. And I'm thinking about taking another crack at it. But last year in the middle of my ultra season, I got this idea like, all right, I'm going to take on a strong man again. And I was going to do like, I think I was going to do Pennsylvania Strongest Man. And man, when I started training for it, because strongman really fries your CNS too, because yeah. it's so maximal. Um, and so I'll be interested to see how those guys do <laughs> and how, how your training does, because I that's something that's pretty difficult to train. No, definitely, dude. I, I think a lot of it's what, and the way my mindset's going with this again, because, you know, brilliance in the basics and sticking to the principles that we talked about, keeping it simple. I really believe that you can train your strongman training at lower intensities and lower volume, um, i.e. So instead of doing, I, I get it, like doing maybe, maybe like this is my idea and I don't know if it will work, but every three to four weeks you actually do a legit event day where you're slamming yourself through the roof, right? Mm-hmm. Where you really get that stimulus you need, yep. but the two to three weeks prior to that, you're still doing event days but let's just say that you're comp- let's just say that um, you're competing at your weight class of 230 pounds, 32 pounds, and your opening deadlift four reps is going to be 500 pounds for reps. Let's just say that's what it is. Yeah. Well, instead of training event day for that, you break it down to 425 for reps, and you focus for quality of reps instead of pushing that. So we're still keeping the submaximal training in there, still getting the skill development in there. And we're still building the muscle endurance that we would need. So when it is time to go do those events, your body is ready to rock and roll to pull that weight and you might be surprised by it. Um, yeah, I think that's good. I, th- I think, yeah, using the, you know, what, and that's pretty common in Strongman, having an event day. Um, but just using that event day for technique on, on a lot of your days, um, that's definitely, that would help. Yeah, I think, you know, well, the great thing about strongman is you can utilize a lot of powerlifting strength work yep. um, to get ready for your strongman, obviously, um, which has been a huge thing for us. But, yeah, dude, let's go ahead and uh, wrap this up a little bit. What events do you have coming up in the next two months? I mean, we won't push out for further too far, but we're just going to talk about what we got coming up here in the next three months, I guess. Yeah, I mean, just because of life schedule changes, I had a lot of events lined up. They kind of all got wiped off the table. And now I've started rebuilding my race calendar, but I'm doing a Badwater Cape Fear, which is you know the Badwater guys that do the big Badwater that everybody knows about, the 135 miles. They put on a race in North Carolina that I'm going to do. Um, it's a 50 miler, and 38 miles of that is on the sand. So I've started training for that again, doing a lot of soft sand runs, which really brings me back to my roots. And uh, <laughs> and then the day after that, I'm going to run a marathon here in Virginia Beach. So I'm going to run down there, do the 50, and then drive back up here and run the marathon the next day. Word. If you don't mind, bro, can you, can you switch your background in the military so people kind of know? What's kind of cool is we've all been uh, – what's great about all this is we've been really connected with the special operations field and all that good stuff, you know. So Yeah, I, um, I come from the special warfare background in the Navy, and so I um, – made my living on soft sand runs, you know, and then when I was out in California where, where you live now, I was an instructor. So I was actually the guy that led all of our soft sand runs. Um, cause I could just put the students in the hurt locker with those things. But it's funny how perishable that is because you're, you're, it's a lot of, although it's easier on your joints, it's a lot of strength that it takes a lot of muscular endurance. And so my first soft sand run in a few years, I was thinking like, I do this all the time. No, I don't. I did it all the time a year and a half ago. <laughs> and so the first soft sand run I did this year training for this race, I was like, oh, okay, we got we to gotta buckle down and get back into this because it's not going to be a freebie. <laughs> Would you use soft sand uh, running and power hiking for guys who are looking to get into like running again or ultra runs as a, as a training modality? Do you use that? 
Yeah, I think you definitely could. Um, you know, you see a lot of overuse injuries like in the hip flexors and ITBs when you start doing that, not as much, you know, stress fractures or whatever. Um, you definitely could. I think it's a tool, you know, use it as a tool. And then, you know, if it's your main modality, you probably are going to run into some, some, that might be problematic. But I think that you could definitely use it as a tool, definitely a volume builder to uh, not run into overuse injuries. Sweet. So with a bad water race into the marathon, what are you looking f- as for training? Because those are two separate, those are two separate realms. And when we look at the endurance realm, you're going bad water, 38 miles of that's on the sand. You're at a lower pace now, obviously. Yeah. Um, and the next day having to switch it and go into that marathon and now hold, let's just say eight minute miles for 26 yeah. miles. Right. Um, what are you doing there to get ready for that, and how are you approaching that? Well, I'll say that when I go into the marathon, I'm not going to be running a really fast marathon, I'm sure. Uh, like, I'm going to try to run it in sub four, and I'll be really happy if I get that, um, just based on what I'm doing. But last year, you know, we talked about the 200. I did all these long events. I'm really excited about getting into stage racing this year. Um, okay. And stage racing is like when you, you know, you race one, say you have a 150-mile race, but it'll be across five days where you're running 30, 40 miles a day. Um, because I think it's a whole different animal where you have to like really focus on recovery and getting yourself, you know, up and down, deregulated, rested, recovered, and then go back up the next day. Um, so it just creates a different training problem that I'm excited about tackling. You and I have this crazy triathlon, uh, at the end of the year, that's a stage race, um, probably to the max. It's just, every stage is a fucking full Ironman, but (laughs) that's something we have going on. Um, and so I'm finding days, weekends like this where I can do a training cycle up till uh, like bad water and then I get kind of a little uh, test on my on stages right on how to upregulate downregulate and get back into it the next day how to not you know expend all of your resources like we talked about on that first day um, and so that's what I'm using it for I'm using it as kind of like a test simulation I like that dude I might I might have to take you up on that when we get ready for a lot of stuff because right now it's kind of just been getting getting a little bit better at the running realm for myself. So I'm looking forward to it, man. Like I said, we, we, you know, we got a lot of stuff coming up. I know I got a 50 K. Yeah. What do you got coming? I have a 50 K on the 20th of January. So the show should be out before that. Um, and then I have a supposed to do a 50 miler in February, but I got to do some, some work stuff came up. Um, so I actually end up going to be signing up for the 50 miler. It's the old goat 50 miler in Lake Elsinore. And that's a, uh, that's a very hard course is what I've been told from all the climbing on it. So me and you are taking two separate routes from how we're doing things. I'm looking at more climbing, getting better at climbing and running and, and that stuff. Um, and as I get closer to the triathlons that we do have, I will start looking for, I might even just do training days on my own to where I'll go out and do, you know, on a Saturday, do a 50 mile bike into a 20 mile run. Mm, right. Yep. And then Sunday, I'll actually probably do like a 30 mile run, a 30 mile bike into a 10 mile run on Sunday. Um, and then I'll probably progressively build that across the few weeks going into that, right? Or do whatever else like that. And at the same time, I look at that as a very great builder for something that I have coming up. This year is the year for me to complete my first 100 mile race. Um, and, and I'm not going to talk too much about that because, like I said, there's some stuff in the works that we want to make happen. But I really believe utilizing longer brick sessions will help develop what I need for the 100 mile that I want to sign up for and do. Yeah, and the next hybrid training talk, let's definitely get into brick sessions and kind of like how we're utilizing those because I'm doing something kind of similar and uh, 
there's a lot of when you talk about transferability and adaptation you know you can create a lot of stress with a with a brick workout with a lot less time oh definitely dude yeah definitely definitely that's something and not to get too deep into it but like for instance i carly stone's competing at waterpalooza in, in a week mm-hmm. and they just came out with that 7k run and she runs a lot but yeah. i had her do a brick session yesterday to simulate that 7k run instead of doing her instead of having her do a legit 7k run yeah yeah. i had her yeah i had her do uh it was five it was uh it was three miles on the bike yep. into a two-mile run so she realistically got six miles total of running in three within within three sets, um, but it was able to let her know, hey, this is what it feels like if you're deep in the run. Yeah, you know, yeah, or exactly. you know, hey. So that's what I'm kind of excited about. So we will definitely get into brick sessions and why we utilize them, not just for triathlons, but we also utilize them for um, for ultra ultra marathons also. Mm. Um, but yeah, dude. So that's that's the goal. I'm gonna I'm gonna continue pushing the unsupported races. I really enjoy the fat ass races. Um, my very first race for my first ultra was a fat ass race. And if no one doesn't know what a fat ass race, it's an unsupported race. There is some aid stations, um, but it really is it's just a glorified training run with your buddies. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and you got to you gotta like navigate your own way with your own map and whatever else and pretty much have a game plan of how to fuel yourself because not all the time they're going to have everything there for you. Hmm. I'm looking at a fat ass race in October or August, so we'll we'll talk about that offline. <laughs> oh yeah, oh cool, yeah, man. we'll definitely talk about that. Cool, bud. Um, sweet guys, thank you very much for listening to us on our first show for the Hybrid Training Talk. And if you guys have any questions for us, um, we did create a uh, we did create an email for it. Um, so you guys can go ahead and email us straight to that, just so we can keep our our other emails clear. Um, but if you guys want to get a hold of us or have questions for us, don't be afraid to d- uh, direct message us. Rick, where they can get where can they get a hold of you for uh, social media handles? Yeah, Instagram I'm at run.lift.evolve, and that's probably the best way. Also, uh, Facebook Rick Alexander. I have an entrepreneur page. Sweet. And then you can find me at uh, Hybrid Training Lab uh, Instagram, or find me at at softly underscore gb3 athlete uh, or gb3. What's our um, email? Yeah. Our email is going to be hybridtrainingtalk at gmail.com. Dope. Do we already right, have that? So, yeah, we do already. <laughs> um, so our email will be hybridtrainingtalk at gmail.com. If you guys have any questions or anything else like that, please feel free to email us. Feel free to direct message us. And we will go ahead and answer your questions on the next show for sure. Cool. So, again, guys, thanks for listening to us. Rick, you can drop it. You can end it, bud. Anything you got? Yeah, that's all I got. Thanks for having me, guys.